All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 12, I think, of A Whole Lot of Ginger with your host, Kylan Silva. Um, hey, hey, hey guys, what's up? What's, what's happening in the world? Well, let me tell you, I thought that I would start this week's episode with BFFR, but as we could see, we've had no fan interaction than the last one, so I'm going to BFFR with random headlines I have seen on social media that I think have absolutely no truth to them, but I thought are absolutely hysterical. And I thought we should talk about as if they were true. Starting off, Kylie Jenner and Timothy Chalamet reports that they are dating. That's what I saw on social media there for a hot minute. Um, uh, it, it's so hard because I love Kylie. I love Timothy. Kylie and Timothy together? Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He's like this little stick, lanky, you know, man that would just is like a little kitty cat. And then Kylie Jenner's like this giant lion, bad bitch energy, storming the world. I mean, what could they possibly have to talk about together? Also, I don't even know what language Timothy Chalamet speaks. Do they even speak the same language? Do they just talk about Kylie Jenner's lip kits and Timothy just being so attractive? Also, does Timothy want to be a dad? Also, is Kylie still with Travis Scott? There's just so many questions and so much confusion. Do you think that Timothy lets Kylie, hypothetically, if they were together, which I don't think they are, but do you think that he, I think he's pretty enough that he could be like a little makeup model for her? Just some of my thoughts surrounding it. Another thing that I saw that I think this is true regarding the Jenner Kardashian empire. Kim Kardashian is going to be on the next season of American Horror Story. And let me tell you folks, I have never been more excited for something. I love American Horror Story. Yes, it has sucked in the recent seasons, but throw Kim K on there. Oh my gosh, it will be so entertaining. I mean, I don't think she can act whatsoever, but I already know it's going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be like when Lady Gaga was on there and I got a lady crush for Lady Gaga. Now Kim K's going to be on it. I can't wait. I, I can't wait. Okay. Other fake news. We did a fake, a real, here's another fake. I saw some random TikTok that was the girl he leaves you for versus you. And it was, it was Prince William may or may not have cheated on Kate which I'm like, what's up with that? He literally is an egghead and she's a baddie. So a little bit confused there, but I mean, like father, like son, I guess. Back into real news, Millie Bobby Brown is engaged to Bon Jovi's son. That's crazy. She's 19. I've seen so much stuff that is saying she's too young and they're not going to work out. But you know what? The freaking Mormons get married at like 16. I think she's okay. And why are, how, who are we to judge? Everyone is just jealous that they don't have a cute life and aren't getting engaged to John Povey's son. John Bon, Bon Jovi John, John, whatever his name is. 
So I think it's just a lot of jealous people. I ship it. I'm here for it. She looks happy. He looks happy. I still, I think the biggest confusion is maybe it's because she plays Eleven in Stranger Things and it's just like, is Eleven ready to get married? No, she's in like middle school. So that's a little bit creepy, but other than that, I'm totally here for it. Other real news, Octopus Lover, back at it again, just... Uh, he met like Alex Earl and all these people. He now has been going on all these podcasts. He talked to Brianna Chicken Fry. Seriously, dude, seriously. And then I saw something and he was like, yeah, I don't even know half the stuff I'm doing. I'm just rolling with it and people give me ideas. And I'm just here. He's just letting everyone literally build his empire for him. I mean, good for him. I'm jealous fully. That's why I'm talking about it. But seriously, he got to meet Alex Earl and and is just meeting everyone and everyone is saying how he's taking over. It's crazy. It's it's absolutely crazy how he blew up. That's my hot take. I don't everyone else. You can go look into it more if you want to. I did some brief looking in. I just had to share my thoughts because sometimes social media gets so ridiculous like genuinely the things I see on TikTok that people don't even look into, which I was sharing fake news, but also like I know that it's fake and it just gets so crazy. And the things that make people upset and then everyone blaming each other when sometimes it's like, let's just take a step back, look at the bigger picture. And sometimes things are freaking ridiculous. And other times things are just little funny jokes. I just find it all to be funny, and it makes me LOL out loud. So that's my hot take. That's my BFFR, because no one else is BFFRing with me, so I'm BFFRing with you. That's what I think. Okay, we are getting into this episode now. I should have prefaced it earlier. This is going to be a great episode, because you know what I'm doing, you guys? True crime. I'm finally doing it. Everyone has told me, and by everyone I mean a couple people, Louisa, she told me, I think multiple times she's told me to do something about true crime because I love true crime. I was a psychology major in college. I listened to Murder with My Husband, one of my favorite true crime podcasts. I, I just really like true crime stuff. I'm very interested in it, the psychology behind it. Now, if you are not into true crime, the rest of this episode probably isn't for you. I, you can just ignore it, but I'm not really going to go into anything too gruesome. And I will be diving into the redhead murders. So ties in with Ginger. I saw these murders when I was looking up the history of Ginger's and I thought what a great first place to start. Now, I want to preface this by saying that I have never, ever tried to tell a true crime story I am not a professional. This is going to not be great. This is going to be choppy. Biggest thing too is when I started to dive into research for this, I realized there's not that much research out there. So I picked, I think, a decently hard one to start with, but I'm going to do my best to retell the redhead murders and what's kind of been happening with them. I'm going to make it short and sweet. I don't I don't need to give you a 30-minute explanation. We're just going to do a little short one. And if people are under it, maybe I'll dive into it more. But honestly, there's also just not that much information. So I couldn't even really give you that succinct of a... I couldn't give you that succinct long... I guess succinct and long... I, restarting. 
But I couldn't really even give you that long of something without rambling on about a lot of confusing stuff. I'm just going to get into it. You'll see what I mean. I hope you guys enjoy. And here we go with the Redhead Murders. All right, you guys. So the Redhead Murders are a series of unsolved homicides of redheaded females in the United States between October 1978 and 1992, originating out of Knoxville, Tennessee, although a lot of the murders are thought to have occurred between Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, and West Virginia. There are thought to be between anywhere from 5 to 14 victims, is what I saw in some sources. Other sources said around 4 to 11, so it's a bit debatable how many there exactly were. And the reason for this being a lot of them are still unidentified and there hasn't been an overall person named for all of these murders yet. These murders are also referred to as the Bible Belt Strangler due to the fact of where they took place. And the reason why we think they are all connected is because the majority of victims were women with reddish hair whose bodies were abandoned along major highways in those states in the United States. And it was thought to be done by an unidentified male serial killer. So I'm going to start off by taking you to the year 1985. We are going to follow a woman named Linda Shack. Now, Linda Shack was a dancer at a nude club, and one night she is there, and a 37-year-old trucker named Jerry Johns comes in. He's sitting there. He's with his brother, and he approaches Linda. He takes two $100 bills and rips them in half and says, I'll give you the other halves to them if you come back with me to my room and, you know. So Linda decides to go with Jerry and his brother takes another woman from the club. Now they were in rooms side by side at a motel. Jerry and Linda go into his room and do some things. And when Linda's getting ready to leave, Jerry shows her that he is armed and proceeds to rip off her shirt and bound her with it. He then puts her in a car and he travels her down I-40. Now this was I-40 in Knox County, Tennessee. He proceeds to strangle her and leaves her there on the side of the road, presuming that she is dead. Luckily for Linda, she was not dead. She goes to the police, tells them what happens, and they arrest Jerry. Now, Jerry's initial interview was very interesting. The detectives described him as extremely intelligent. He was an ex-convict, so they found that interesting, and he had taken many courses in criminal justice after he had got out of prison the first time. Immediately into the interview, he was very quick to mention his interest in the psychology of serial killers, which striked a note in many of the investigators since they were looking at this chain of unidentified bodies that had been strangled and left around highways, which we'll get into more details about those. So they're looking at this guy and they're saying, hey, he's a truck driver. And he just did this with one woman. What's to say he didn't do it with all these other women? Now, Jerry's saying, no, I did not do any of this. He wouldn't admit to it. He's just saying that he's an easy way out and that the investigators don't know what they're talking about. At that time, they couldn't leak Jerry to anything else. So Jerry is in prison. That's kind of where we're going to start out with our case to give a little background. 
Now, we are going to go back to 1983, two years before Jerry attacked Linda. We had a woman found along Route 250. Route 50 is located in Wetzel County, West Virginia. This redheaded female was aged 30 to 45 years old, and she was found suffocated on the side of the highway. It was thought that she wasn't killed there because it had previously snowed. Her body was sitting on top of the snow. There was no snow on her, and there were foot tracks leading away from the body. That was one of the first victims that they include in this search. Moving into a year later in 1984, we have Lisa Nichols, who's 28 years old, was found along I-40 in West Memphis, Arkansas. She had strawberry blonde hair and was found strangled but fully clothed on the side of the road. So now we have two victims. Moving into 1985, this was when Jerry had gotten Lisa. There were many unidentified women found who we do not know their identities of. Uh, But about six more bodies were found all throughout those prior states mentioned. And I'm not going to get into the details here because the majority of these unidentified women, we don't have stories for them. We don't really know what we were, what they were doing around the time or really how to tell it. I found it just more confusing to try to pinpoint every single one. But the linking factor to them was they all had red hair, were strangled, and were found along the side of the highway. So this is kind of where investigators are at when they get Jerry. And they think, hey, we've been looking for someone who would be traveling along a lot of roads, presumably a trucker. And so they think he fits the picture. In conclusion, nothing gets figured out. The investigators can't link Jerry to any of these unidentified bodies or identified bodies, and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation basically kind of has to stop looking into stuff. They don't figure out anything. They don't figure out anything until 2018. We are fast forwarding to 2018, almost 30 years later. So here we are in 2018 and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation receives an anonymous tip that on this small amateur website about missing people, they thought they identified one of the bodies found on I-75 in Tennessee in 1985. They figure out through fingerprint testing that it is Tina Marie McKinney Farmer, who was 21 at the time. So now they have figured out one of the unidentified bodies that they had previously tied in with these redhead murders. Figuring her out, they decide to test the DNA found on the blanket she was wrapped in against Jerry John's DNA. Now, by 2018, Jerry John's had died three years prior in 2015 at the age of 67 when he was in prison. So they're not able to ask him about any of this, but they tested the DNA and it's a match. So they figure out this Jerry Jones was in charge of also not only attacking Linda, but killing Tina Farmer. This makes them think even more 
that Jerry Jones might have been the man linked to all of these women. The reason why they have been linking a lot of these cases together actually came out from a group of high school students in Tennessee who were researching the case in their sociology class. They found out that 90% of the ties used between all of these women, like the ties that they were bound with, were the exact same tie. They also found a multitude of other information kind of linking them together, and they presented that information to the FBI. And so recently, in the past couple of years, they've been more sound in the fact that they think it was the same person who committed all of these things. And right now that's Jerry. But unfortunately, they have not been able to link Jerry to any of the other cases. So where are we now? In conclusion, not a whole lot has happened since Jerry was found responsible for Tina Farmer's murder. People are at a standstill, but they're hoping that they're going to start identifying more of the bodies and that they can kind of come to terms on one person. But as of right now, it's, it's a cold case still left open and we don't know a whole lot more. That's why in my studies of doing this, there just wasn't a lot on this case. And other people have tried to research it. Um, an investigative journalist by the name of Shane Watts waters of indiana went around and put red crosses where a lot of these women were found on the side of the highways and this sparked his interest in the case and he did a big deep dive but he didn't really turn up with too much the high school students have been doing a lot of research on it but we're still kind of waiting hoping for a break in the case hoping that the families of the victims get their answers and really that it can all be solved the hardest part of this case though was that The majority of the victims, which there's four identified, seven who are almost officially linked, but could be much more, but there's at least 11 to 14 unsolved murders. And the problem with only four being identified is that the other half, we don't know what they were doing, who they are, where they were, and so it's hard to kind of paint a picture of who did this when we don't know how he was getting in contact with these people. Were they in similar positions? It's thought that many of the victims could have been hitchhikers or sex workers, but it's just really hard for them to paint the picture at this point. So that's, that's where the case leaves us. I hope I did it justice enough by telling that, and I wish we had more names of the victims so we could remember them. But unfortunately, we don't. And we just, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that and kind of learning about that. I for sure did. If I do another one, I'll be sure to pick something that has a little bit more definition to it and, you know, structure around it so we can have a little bit better start, middle, finish. But I also had fun, you know, diving into something where there's not a lot of information and getting to read Reddit threads about it and all different kinds of stuff. But I wanted to keep it short and sweet, not bombard you too much. So that was our little true crime detail for this week. That's the story of the Redhead Murders. All right, back at it again. Since we're in Florida, we are getting into Florida Man of the Week. I love it. I hope you love it. 
and we are going to start with Florida Man, April 10th. Let's see what we have. Oh, yes. April 10th, 2019. Florida Man arrested after dining on spaghetti with his bare hands. Please tell me more. Police in Naples were called to the local Olive Garden after a report that a man was causing a disturbance. They found Ben sitting shirtless near the front door, eating spaghetti with his bare hands. So basically, Ben the hobo got his meager hands on some spaghetti and was devouring it outside of Olive Garden. I mean, can you blame him? I'm not sure. Here we go into April 11th, also from 2019. Florida man threatens to destroy everyone with an army of turtles. A man by the name of Thomas Lane was yelling out obscenities constantly, calling himself the saint and saying his turtle army will destroy them and stating that they would all see it happen in an hour. You know what, Mr. Lane at 7-Eleven and your turtle army? Good for you. That, That is such a Florida man thing to do. I wonder what kind of turtles. Here we go. Okay, April 12th, 2020. I hope you catch Corona. Florida man coughs, spits at deputy, officials say. I don't think I need to read much more about it. I think that is exactly what a Florida man would do during COVID. That seems about right. So I'm happy that you're fitting the stereotype Florida man. Here we go. April 13th, 2020. Florida man accused of beating sailmate who asked for a courtesy flush to help with smell. Victim's ribs and nose were broken. Well, I I didn't know what a courtesy flush was, but it says that Guilford, age 53, was sharing a cell with a 65-year-old man when the man got upset with him for passing gas. Interesting. So we got some stinky boys up in prison, And they are not flushing their poo-poos down, it appears. Not good, not good, not good. Oh, here's a fun one. April 14th, our last of the week. Florida man gets out of jail back 15 minutes later. I mean, your rightful place, right? After being released from jail, where he had been confined for Grand Theft Auto, a man walked into a parking lot, proceeded to break into cars while waiting for his girlfriend to pick him up. He was filmed doing this by the jail surveillance camera, which for some reason he was aware of. He was a free man for about 15 minutes. Sir, seriously, you just got out of jail and you can't help it. Maybe, you know, maybe he has a little love affair in jail and he's got to get back in. I'm, you know what, good, there's got to be a reason, right? Or he's just an idiot. BFFR, dude. Let us know why. Anyways, for Florida Man of the Week, I definitely think Turtle Army wins. Like, hands down, that's that's amazing. I'm all here for Turtle Army. Well, you guys, that's that's about what I got for you this week. That's what I was feeling. That's what I was flowing. That's what I'm saying. And I hope you all are doing well. I do have some exciting news. I will be a European gal this summer. I shall be there. And do you know what that means for the podcast? I haven't I haven't figured it out yet, but I might need to take a little month-long sabbatical. So 
it might have to take a little pause, but we'll see what we can do and what we can come up with and what can happen. And if I don't do that, then I might have to record it all over my phone speaker and we just might lose the beautiful recording through the through the microphone. But yeah, that was the episode for this week. Text me if you want to hear anything else. You always know that I love hearing all of your thoughts and opinions and ideas. And I appreciate you all. And in case you're wondering, I now have made $2.70. So that's great. And you guys, I got my car back and I have air conditioning. Whoop, whoop. Yay, yay. And remember, guys, gingers do it better. <laughs>